Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. This Louis Mets. Little kids like me. Hello, 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 and welcome to this glorious mess, little kids. My name is Tegan Atoli, and I have no idea what to cook for dinner tonight, tomorrow night, or any other night after that. Oh my god, I'm so over dinner as well. We've reverted to cereal for dinner because if Alexander had scrambled eggs for breakfast, I'm like, you can have cereal for dinner, my friend. Yeah, that counts. And I wouldn't mind some Fruit Loops for dinner, to be quite honest with you. Mm, I'm with you. Who are you, though? Oh, yeah. I'm Lee Campbell. I have one son, Alexander. And at the moment, he has to involve every single person's name in everything we do. So if I say, (laughs) Alex, would you like a yogurt? He said, Yes, mummy, Alex have yogurt. Mummy not have yogurt. Daddy not have yogurt. Cookie not have yogurt. Bonsty not have yogurt. Bobot not have yogurt. Bobot is the vacuum. Wow, this is going to take a really long time for you to get an answer. I just need a wine. (laughs) What time is it? It's wine o'clock somewhere, that's what I think. Love it. As mentioned, this is This Glorious Mess Little Kids, Mamma Mia's podcast for parents with children under five. And I have a question for you, Lee. Has Bug moved to a big bed yet? Not yet. We're contemplating a big boy bed. Regular listeners to the show will know that a couple months ago he nosedived out of his cot. So our days are limited. He's okay in the cot for now because we've got a deeper cot, but I literally need to just tackle it in the next few months. And I'm terrified. I feel like a lot of parents go through this awkward transition of knowing when the right time to take a little one out of a cot is. I know with the twins, I did it just before they turned two for no apparent reason. And I regretted it so much (laughs) because it started off fine. But then a few months later, when they figured out they could just get out of the bed whenever they wanted, it turned to hell. So we on today's episode are going to be talking about moving to the big bed. We're bringing you an expert to ask, how do you know when it is the right time and what signs to look for, and also how to make the bedroom safe for your little ones. And as always, we'll share our recommendations and WTF moments of the week. But for now, let's dive into this week's Listener Dilemma. Now it's time for Listener Dilemmas. Yay! Let's go! So this is the part of the show where we answer your questions. And just a disclaimer, if you're new here, we're not real experts. (laughs) We are not trained professionals, so please keep that in mind. But we're just two mums who like to have a go. So this week's Listener Dilemma came via email. It said, Hi, TGM team. I have a gorgeous 15-week-old baby boy. He's the love of my life. Until about two weeks ago, each breastfeed was taking at least an hour. So that was most of his awake time. Now, though, he feeds so much more quickly and we have so much awake time. I feel like all I do is put him on the floor in his activity gym or in his bouncer and he looks at all the dangly things or I sing to him. Or we look at a book, but that takes about two minutes. He won't do tummy time for more than about three minutes and I have no idea what else to do with him, especially when the weather is rainy so it's hard to go out on our walk. I feel like he's getting a flat head from being on the ground so much and I'm bored too. How can we feel this time? I also feel guilty when I put him in the activity gym or do housework or make something to eat. I feel like I should be interacting with him all the time. Any advice would be really appreciated. Mel from Perth. Ooh, Tegan. Mm. 
You have had hundreds of newborns. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I think she's doing all the right things. She sounds like a fantastic mum. And I think what we learn when we become mums is that we can't entertain our kids all the time. And the mum guilt is so real. I can so relate to her on this one because you feel like that's what you should be doing. But to be honest, it is a bit of, you know, letting them have their own little independent time as well. So my kids spent a lot of time in the bounces and with the dangly things above their head. And sometimes if it was a rainy day, I'd even put them in the pram in the house, like especially the twins and kind of face the pram out the window so they could look at the trees or the rain or whatever. But Yeah, I think it's more about feeling okay with not having to entertain your child all the time. I remember when my best friend first had her baby, it was before I had any of my kids and I went to visit her and she's like, I don't know what to do. Like he's just sitting there and I'm like, but is he crying? She's like, no. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, I don't really know what you're expecting him to do. Like they're just little tiny babies. And if they're content in sitting there, then let them sit there. Let them totally. Chill out. I could not agree more. I think because, and I found this part really difficult because we are go, go, go. And you might be a career woman and you've got a million things going on. And then mat leave hits and it is very boring and lonely and slow. And so you're doing everything right, Mel. I think you're a fantastic mum and you're mixing up all the little activities. I think it's more just in your head what you expect or you're perhaps not feeling very productive. Like I remember feeling like my only sense of self or sense of purpose was if I'd done all the chores and no one was yelling at me to do them. But just because otherwise you're just kind of sitting there, I think you're doing fantastic. Maybe try a bit more tummy time. I say that only because we didn't do a huge amount of tummy time either because because Alexander would just fall asleep. But as a result, he really had quite a weak neck for a long time. So that's, you know, that's a good activity to do. Otherwise, you just fit in some shows for you, girl. Like watch some TV shows because soon you just won't get that lounging around time. I would kill to go back and fit in a couple of series. I know. Soon she'll be sending us a listener dilemma like, I can't do anything because my kid won't stop moving or wanting to play with me. So, (laughs) yeah, take a moment and don't feel bad about it. Mum guilt is the worst. I know there's nothing that we can say to take it away, but you're doing all the right things and I think you sound like a fabulous mum. Absolutely. And if you have a question for us, please email tgm at mamamia.com.au and we'll do our best to answer it. Moving from the cot to the bed is a huge step in your little one's life and it comes with a lot of considerations. What kind of bed do you get? How do you toddler-proof the room? And when is the right time to do it? We're not experts on this, so we wanted to bring one in. And joining us now is Marissa Wallace, co-founder at the Baby Sleep School, certified sleep consultant and mum to William, Rafferty, Atticus and Bowie. So first things first, Marissa, can you tell us what the telltale signs are? when your little one is ready to upgrade and also when they're not ready? Of course, yes. Well, we teach at Baby Sleep School that we like to wait until they're at least three years. Now, sometimes that's not always possible, especially if, you know, obviously you have a newborn at home and you need to transition them earlier. But we try and keep it to three years because they are a lot more mature at that age. But there are telltale signs early and that could be, you know, they're frequently jumping out of their cot and it's no longer safe for them to be in the cot. The cot becomes too small or you need to transition them because they have a newborn at home. You know, they could be starting to ask about the big bed and show interest in wanting to sleep in a bed or they're refusing to sleep in their cot at all, which is yeah very common. 
Okay. This relates to me on a cellular level because my son's two (laughs) and three months and a couple of weeks ago he dove out of the cot. We've bought a little bit of time by just dropping the mattress to the actual floor and so we can't get out yet but we're so, so close to having to need to do it. So once we've decided we've got to do it, what are the next big things we should be looking to do? So definitely communicating with your toddler about what is happening. So it's all about communication and connection and really talking to them and being honest about what you're going to do not trying to hide the fact that you know there is going to be that big change keeping all the same positive sleep associations so whether that's them still sleeping in a dark room which is very normal my son is same age really he's two and two months born in july 2019 he is still in a cot and i will keep him in a cot (laughs) as long as i can um, only because i know that he's not mature enough at this stage to transition but he still sleeps in a pitch black dark room for all day sleeps so that's a really positive sleep association that's something that you should definitely transition with a comforter so we always teach that to introduce a comforter at a young age so above seven months because it's a really good transition tool and a positive sleep association for when your toddler is transitioning into a bed it's just like a little safety net for them. So rather than calling out for mum or dad or, you know, getting out of their bed, they draw their comforter in and it's a really beautiful, safe security blanket for them. So definitely, you know, either trying to introduce a comforter if you haven't or always, you know, carrying on. You could also, you know, if you have white noise or uh, if you've already introduced like a sleep light or anything like that to continue with those things. But really get them involved in helping select, you know, any of the new bedding or anything like that and just communicating with them about what is happening. Obviously continue with the same bedtime wind-down routine so that everything is really the same. So the only difference is going to be, you know, moving into the bed. And start transitioning with their day sleep first so they can understand what's happening, you know, obviously in the day. And once you have fully transitioned them to all sleeps, definitely recommend to not go back, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, even when you're a weekend and tearing your hair out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like there's just been, I have four boys and there's just been times I'm like, no, it will be so much easier to bring the yeah. cot back. And it's the same when we're speaking to many, you know, parents with toddlers. But if you can, I'd try and recommend to, you know, obviously keep it to three. But again, I know that's not always possible with, you know, many families. Rusa, I mentioned earlier that I regrettably moved my twins from their cots into a toddler bed at just before they turned two. And I very quickly learned that at two, they have no impulse control. So all throughout the night and obviously at bedtime, I was getting little visitors in my bed because they didn't know how to actually stay in bed. Say a parent or family does transition their little one into a big bed because they're jumping out or for whatever reason, and they're not at that recommended three-year age, what Mm -hmm. do you recommend for them to do when they won't stay in the bed? Yeah, so it's probably first identifying the problem. So is it that they can't go to bed on their own independently and they keep getting out of bed? Is it that you as a parent, which, you know, we've all been there, are we laying with them to go to sleep? Or are they just waking up in the middle of the night and you've got a nice little visitor in your bed? So firstly, like identifying the problem and then, you know, we have different tools and strategies to be able to respond to that accordingly. So if you're 
child is like having trouble, you know, falling asleep independently on their own, which is very common. It's all about that communication and connection. So it might be a gradual withdrawal method where you are sitting with them and each night you move away, just offering that comfort and support so that they feel really comfortable in their sleep environment. If you're sitting on a chair and you can slowly move that further away as the nights go on. It is a slow process, but it's definitely very, very effective. And the aim is to, you know, not lay with them or sit with them until they're asleep, but, you know, allow them to fall asleep independently, but communicate with them what's, you know, what's happening that, you know, mummy's here, it's time to go to sleep. And then you can go in and check on them just so that you're reassuring them that you're still there. And can you talk us through the room itself? Like I'm just thinking with my son in his cot at the moment, his actual room's not totally baby-proof. So if they're able to roam around, do we need to take steps to make sure the whole room is safe? And also, I guess, what do we do at the door? Do we shut the door? My son can open the door. Is there a baby gate across the door? What's your advice there? Yeah, so definitely, obviously, with any sleep space is making it safe. So it needs to be toddler proof. And I know with my little Bowie, he is <laughs> dynamite. And so, yeah, there would definitely be, you know, just a recheck of the room, making sure it's safe, making sure obviously that his toys and everything are still available to him. But yeah, anything that um, would prevent any danger. So never would I recommend that, you know, you put a baby gate on there. I think that, you know, is not good for that parent-child connection. It's really about, you know, spending time in their room with them before you go to bed. So whether that's, you know, reading books or playing with toys, doing puzzles, anything like that, just so they feel really safe in their room uh, and building that connection. And then, you know, you pop the toys and the books away together and then, you know, you start that wind down routine. But definitely creating that safe sleep environment is really important. What if they are coming out at three in the morning and they can open their own door? I just am thinking of my friend who's going through it right now and she keeps finding her son upstairs in the living room. That seems unsafe. So should you put a lock on the door or how do you go about the, I guess, middle of the night antics? Yeah, look, obviously if it's a safety issue, then you obviously need to make sure that they yeah, aren't in any danger. And if, if there is a lock on the door, look, we don't recommend it, but obviously safety is always first. But middle of the night visitors is very common. We are actually working on a new program called Bedtime Battles with a beautiful behavioural psychologist where we focus on communication, consistency and co-regulation. So it's really about, you know, building that connection with, you know, with your child during the day. And it might sound a little bit airy-fairy, but it's really you know, if you build that connection with them during the day, then, you know, obviously it's very important that when you do get that little late night visitor, that you take them back to their bed straight away. You obviously communicate with them and talk to them about what is happening. And then it's really just repeating the process. And it can be very difficult as a parent when you are already trying to, you know, run on broken sleep and doing that at 3am. The easy option is to just, you know, put them in your bed where we've all been there but if you can just do that for a few nights and tough it out then you will definitely see some rewards and you'll see that your child is responding to it and yeah it's really just you know continuing to reinforce and be really consistent with your approach yeah sounds like everyone needs a little 
persistence jab. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all do. We all do. And what about if they're sharing with a sibling? I know a lot of friends who've brought newborns home um, with a toddler and they might not have the space in the house to, you know, accommodate two babies in separate rooms. What's your advice there? Yeah, so I definitely recommend, you know, with the bedtime routine that making sure that, you know, obviously if you've got like a younger baby that their obviously routine is that they're going to be in bed earlier. But just really following that consistent bedtime routine, the wind down routine and making sure that, you know, you are connecting really well with your toddler before bedtime, you know, reading the books. And then it might be that they you know, need like a small nightlight. Red light is what we recommend as it helps with the production of melatonin, which is the sleepy hormone. So a nice sort of dim light like that could be really effective. White noise to sort of block out any of the uh, the noise that maybe, you know, a newborn baby might or does have throughout the night when they're waking for a feed. That's really effective. But yeah, just really making sure that you're connecting with your toddler during the day is really important. I wanted to quickly ask about what type of bed, like literally what type of bed. You know, you can see there's cot beds that are still the size of a cot or you can go up to like a single bed. Should we be using a bed rail so they don't roll onto the floor? Yeah, so it's really, it's personal choice. Look, I think, you know, there's a lot of beds or there's a lot of cots out there that do transition into a toddler bed and that's what I've personally had as a bit of a transition where the rail comes off. I feel that we've had a lot of success with parents when there is a bed rail, obviously one for safety reasons, but also it does make your toddler feel really secure and safe and almost feel like a cot. So they've been really effective. But you know, going straight into a bed with a rail I think is definitely the best is the best option. And just one more question for you, Marissa. I know you said you had four boys. Yes. My hat goes off to you yeah. because you were instantly a super mum. But do you find in your work that there's difference between boys and girls and how they do transition from the cot to a big bed? Look, we've, no, we have found it probably the same. I think girls do mature quickly like, you know, before boys, boys are a little bit sort of delayed. And that's probably why we definitely say to our parents to try and keep them in a cot as long as possible. That three-year sort of age is when they start to mature and you can kind of communicate with them a little bit more. So, look, it's each of their own. And a lot of it is environmental and what's happening at home and not necessarily the child. So, yeah, as I said, it's all about that connection and building that up with your child and then being really consistent with your approach. Oh, so interesting. I think this is <laughs> going to help a lot of parents listening today. Marissa, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you so you. much. That was Marissa from The Baby Sleep School. You can keep up with her on Instagram at sleep underscore school. recommendations what have you got for me lee well look i'm gonna keep in the sleep theme and while alexander's still in the cot for god knows how long i just hope that he will stay there until he's 30 but mine (laughs) are the love to dream sleep suits so as the weather warms up we've switched from a three tog to either a 1.0 tog kind of now in spring or a 0.2 when it gets really summery 
What I've found best now that he's kind of two and a half and a bit of an escape artist is to get the ones with legs, so not the sleeping bag because the sleeping bag is just too dangerous. He might dive out like he did last time. So <laughs> legs are a bit safer. Yes, he can climb, but then if it's got the little footholdy, foldy thing, he hasn't worked out how to unfold that yet. So then it's too slippery for him to climb the bars. Got Whereas you. Over winter, I was using one of their two-piece sets, which are really great, but it doesn't have any feet, and I was putting socks on him, but he would pull his socks off, use his little little grippy feet. Oh, my God. He's so smart, but not as smart enough as me. (laughs) Whoa. You know? <laughs> anyway, love to dream 1.0 or 0.2 only because I know I'm so close to big boy bed when we're going to go to actual bedding and that's a yes. whole other like ball game and I have no idea what to even look for there. So yeah. I'm just sticking to my sleep suits. I feel like love to dream has something for every stage, you know, like they've always got something to deal with whatever you're dealing with. They with really do. I'm like, why don't I have a sleep suit? Like yes. why do I have a big annoying doona that my husband <gasps> steals and slides off? I'm going to get you one for Christmas. But you? speaking of Christmas and summer, I feel like every parent always wants to know what is a great little shade for the beach or the summer, even if it's in your backyard or by the pool. So I actually don't own one because I don't have anywhere to put it and store it. But my mum has bought a cool cabana. It's like a it's like a marquee, but it is so easy to put up and put down. And I borrow hers all the time because it's so amazing. I have one. And do you have one? Yeah, but I want to know how you put it up somewhere that's not the beach because don't you need sand to put in the anchoring Yeah, but you can put anything in there, anything that's heavy. You could put some oh. rocks or bricks or whatever. But like we use it in my mum's backyard all the time, but that's then also take idea. it on holidays to the beach. So coolcabanas.com.au. They store down into a little carry bag and they're so easy to put up and they don't blow away like crazy beach umbrellas. So it's a good one to have for summer. You've just changed my life because oftentimes by the time we get to the beach, there's not enough room and I feel self-conscious putting it up and stuff. But if I could put it up in our backyard, oh my gosh. Yeah, anywhere. Take it anywhere, in the park, whatever. All right. I'm going to do that because I love shade. I'll have a picnic with you under your cool cabana when we're fully vaccinated and we're allowed allowed to have our picnic. No, from now on we're allowed. Are you vaccinated? Yeah, no, not fully. I've only got uh, one, so I've got a little while to wait. I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What the? What the? What the? What the? Parenting? Oof. WTF moments of the week. Who should go first? Oh, uh, I think you. I love it when you go first. Is oh. it a rant this week? It's semi-ranty, yeah. Okay, I, just, I love it. Go. I'm trying to find time to have a mental breakdown <laughs> and I just can't schedule Is it Is that in. impacting in addition to your mental breakdown, you're like, I'm trying to have a breakdown here and I can't even break down. I literally have a whip with my boss after this and I'm like, I've put in the notes like, please, when can I fit in my mental breakdown? And it's not a mum and me thing. But this is how organised you are that you even schedule your mental breakdown. For me, I just lose well, it. Well, it's my own fault for kind of putting so much in my diary and in my life. I know I'm saying this lightheartedly and joking, but I feel like I can because I've been diagnosed with mental conditions in the past. So I'm taking the piss out of myself, not out of anyone else. But to be honest with you, I just I had a moment a few days ago and I think it's because listeners to the show will know if you've listened regularly that we're trying to have another baby. So I'm on this fertility drug. I've been on it for five months now and it's uh, generally taken for women who have breast cancer, but a side effect is increased fertility apparently. It literally makes me feel like I'm wading through quicksand every day. Like it's so, I'm so exhausted. Emotionally or like physically or both? Emotionally, I'm just 
God knows, I'm all over the shop, hence the mental breakdown. But physically, there's a lot of side effects. You don't get all of them. But for me, it's the aching bones. So your bones Mm. literally feel like they're aching and want to break. Increased appetite, just eating crap, can't sleep, so tired. So I just think now that I'm at five months of it, I just, like the other day, I just was like, I can't. I can't with anything. And then I looked at my diary and I'm like, I have to. I just have to. And it's catch 22, I can imagine, because when your body's aching and you're sore, you don't really feel like going out for a walk and then you just stay at home and eat because of the appetite. So it must be really hard. And with the drugs, after ovulation, for the two weeks between ovulation and getting your period or finding out you're pregnant, your ovaries are extremely heavy because you've produced so many eggs and whatever's going on in there, it's just like even going for a walk hurts. It feels like you've got two bowling balls in your stomach. But then I said to Rich, I don't want another baby. It's not worth it. I can't do this. So I'm at the kind of crossroads of do we call it a day and just enjoy what we have because also I realise I'm not fully enjoying Alexander because I'm thinking – oh, do I keep those clothes for the next baby? Yeah. Do I do this? Do I do that? Where I should just be savouring every little bit of him as he grows. I know. So, and it's so hard because there is no right or wrong. It's only how you feel in the there's moment. There's no right or wrong. I, if I give up, I feel like a failure. If I keep going, I just feel really gross. And then there's the pandemic on top of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just That never really, helps. No, I just want to go to bed for a week. But as every mother knows, that is no. a total fantasy. Oh, well, I'm sending you a virtual hug. Thanks for my vent. <laughs> And any other women that are listening going through the infertility journey, just like hit me up in my DMs because you like you're not alone, I'm not alone. And sometimes it's just nice to say, you know? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Here's the place to do it. What's yours? Mine is, so I had a moment this week, not a mental breakdown moment, but I had a real like sentimental moment. We're going to move in the next couple of months. So this is, I know it's been the longest move of the lifetime. I feel like I've been going to move for a year now, but I'm starting to sell off the stuff obviously that we don't use anymore. And I sold my baby change table, obviously hasn't been used for a long time. And then as I watched them drive away with my baby change table, I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like that's uh, no more bums are going to be on that bench anymore. Like no more babies done. And it was like the first kind of thing, like most stuff with the twins gets handed down to Banjo. And I think this is the first thing I've really let go of that I'm like, oh, this is like no more babies. Like that's it. That part of my life is done. And it was a little moment there. I was like, wow. But then I was like, keep driving, keep driving, keep driving. (laughs) Go away. Oh, no, I totally feel that. With everything I pack down or like pass on, I remember I just passed on like all the puree recipe books. Yes. And, you know, I am, again, obviously hoping to have a second. But at the moment I'm just like, I can't have all this stuff in my house. But it's totally emotional. Like there's so many emotions in those little items. Yeah, there are. And memories as well. And you kind of go, oh, I remember when I purchased that change table and it matched the twins' cots and it was like this whole big deal of getting your first baby change table anyway hopefully the new people that bought it that are having their first baby will love it I was just gonna say that the nice way to think is there's a little baby coming into the world that's gonna have the best little giggles on that table oh my god now I'm gonna cry oh no stop oh no here have your mental breakdown now I give (laughs) I give you I give you five minutes (laughs) well that's it for this week thank you so much for listening to this glorious mess little kids you can follow us wherever you get your podcast you can leave us a review Please submit your listener dilemma. We love hearing from you. The email address is tgm at mamamia.com.au and the pod phone is 028999386. This Glorious Mess is brought to you by Mamma Mia and this episode is produced by Michaela Floriano. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Bye.
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.